More concerns over the virus strains and the speed of recovery, clearly today with shares taking a dive along with bond yields and the US dollar. But a rise in the euro as the ECB announces its strategy review. In a nutshell, a symmetrical approach to inflation targeting, but not inflation averaging. We'll look at the difference today. And a new inflation target too, even though it sounds remarkably like the previous one. And oil! The Americans are burning it faster than they can get hold of it. It's Friday, the 9th of July, 2021. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, equities are down in the US today, 0.8% down for the Dow, 1% down for the S&P 500, 0.8% for the Nasdaq as well. Banks feeling quite a bit of their hurt. JP Morgan is down 2%. Bank of America and Wells Fargo both down more than 2.5%. Big falls in European shares too, more than 2% down for the Eurostox 50. The DAX and the FTSE both about 1.7% down this morning. And bond yields continue downwards as well. 10-year treasuries down another three basis points to 1.29%. Uh, once again, 30 years years below 1.9% in both cases, the lowest since mid-February. The same deal with Aussie 10 years, which are down seven basis points, down to 1.31%. The US dollar down a quarter percent on the DXY. The Aussie also down, losing 0.8%, down below 74.3%, hitting a a year-to-date low. The pound is also down 0.2%. The Canadian dollar down almost half a percent. I know what you're thinking. How can the US dollar be down if everything else is down? Well, here's your answer. The euro is is up half a percent. The Japanese yen up three quarters of 1%. And oil's up as well, about 0.9% for Brent and WTI. Well, the woohoo you heard, the euphoria was coming from David DeGarris. He's with us this Friday morning, Director Economics for Markets at NAB in London. So, look, it looks like looking at all of that reflation. Uh, I mean, the ECB has influenced the uh, the uh, the uh, euro. We'll come to that in a second. But it looks like reflation has gone away. So this oh. is all the virus concerns, do you think? Or are markets just taking a bit of a breather? I mean, if you look at the S&P 500, since the drop that we saw in March last year, the beginning of the pandemic, it's bounced back up 88%. I mean, how plausible is that? I mean, it, it can't go on forever, can it? No, it's, it's, it's been, um, you know, when the market opened this morning and through most of the day, it's been another sort of pretty savage day. You know, you're mentioning the US 10s there, Phil, and I think it's fair to say that, uh, you know, from, from from my perspective, you know, what set this off was, you know, on the 16th of last month when the Fed, you know, released their revised dot plots. And regardless of um, what Chair Powell said about, you know, don't put too much weight on the dot plots, the, the reality was that the market was faced with forecasts from those people who make decisions about Fed, Fed funds rates saying that it's more likely that the rate's going up in 23 and, and a big, a, a big a fair chunk saying, you know, it could be as early as next year. So we saw quite a lot of repricing, didn't we, in the short end of the, the yield curve. So at the end of next year, the market was pricing in like a, a half a chance that the Fed might increase and, and um over the course of the next few weeks, that went up to, you know, a, a full one priced in. It's retraced quite a lot of that now, Phil. It's retraced at least half of it. So while you're right, absolutely, the US 10s have been testing 125 today and, the, you know, the curve has been flattening and that hasn't been kind to the, the banking sector on either side of the Atlantic today. The twos are retracing, so I'm just looking to see how the market is repricing given and, and thinking maybe a little bit more deeply about, you know, the Fed's maximum employment objective and how that will play out because mm. we have Powell speaking twice next week. So yeah. no doubt he's going to be given plenty of opportunity to talk about, you know, and- that goal and how 
close or far away they are from it at the present time. And if we look at the job numbers that were out overnight, I mean, they would seem to suggest the recovery is slowing. I mean, the initial jobless claims last week, 373,000, which is actually uh, more than the week before. And the four-week average has hardly dropped at all. So it's almost yes. looking as though that – I mean, if you just go on those numbers, it's almost looking as though the jobs recovery has plateaued. Well, still got – with still a heck of a way to go. Well, certainly. And um, I think, you know, coming into the, the jobless claims numbers in the past month, six weeks, we knew that – half the states would be, you know, winding back their, um, the $300 supplement. And, uh, you know, there was always the possibility that mm. some of those people might have thought, well, I'll get a job now. And, um, you know, there, there were certainly, you know, we've had, you know, you were talking yesterday on the podcast about, you know, with Gavin about, you know, the high job openings numbers. So the jobs have been there. Mm. Um but as you say today, job, jobless claims figures have been flatlining for what the past four to six weeks. So maybe there are other factors involved in the labour supply issue, Phil. So maybe it's a virus. Know, been, maybe it's a virus related. Have you thought about that? I think so. I think that's <laughs> part of it. And caring, for, caring. Yeah. You know, if yeah. if if if. Um, if you have a partner that's lost their job, you know, maybe you have to stay home to look after the kids. And just uh, concern, just concern, people. Yeah, exactly. All of that. And then just generally the concern, because this Delta strain right. is now the most dominant strain in the United States. Mm. Uh, and, mm. you know, we know that it stops people getting seriously ill if they have the, the vaccine. But uh, there's figures mm. coming out now from Israel and from Canada, for example, showing that... Mm. Uh, even so, you know, the chances of getting it, even if you've had the vaccine, are greater than thought initially. So, yes. uh, so you know, Pfizer, uh, only 64% effective at preventing infection, according to figures from Israel, whereas previously they were saying it was 94%. So, yes. you know, there's all those concerns. And, this, you know, this perhaps this realisation that as everyone starts to take their masks off, and yes. we've still got states, uh, 1,000 counties in the US where the vaccination rate is less than 30%. And we heard, of course, Japan, you know, uh, yes. admittedly less vaccinated, but they're not letting anyone into the Olympics unless they can run or swim really fast or throw javelins. So <laughs> no spectators, in other words. There's all of these numbers, aren't there, coming together, showing that, yes. you know, this thing isn't going away in a hurry uh, and, uh, you know, uh, perhaps less room for optimism. Yes, and we, and we know how the infection numbers in the UK have increased dramatically. Mm. Whether they become gravely ill is another matter or worse. Now, I mean, the UK numbers so far don't suggest suggest rather that that's not the case. But it is early days, isn't it? Is it is early days and we so, don't know about long COVID and all those things. So obviously there's going to be... All those things. So obviously natu- natural concern, and we're seeing that reflected obviously in, in, in the markets, there's just certainly less uh, less optimism around. Meanwhile, oil as well, you know, been in the news a lot lately. Americans are filling up their cars ready for their driving season. Um, the driving season, yes. <laughs> I love that. Um, and look, last week, oil stocks in the US fell almost 6.9 million barrels, um, about yes. thirteen and a half million less mm. in uh, in the last two weeks. So um, yeah, supply and demand issues going on. Here. I, th- I think so. I mean, the the inventory numbers out of the US uh, do play to the idea that um, you know net demand is holding up pretty well in mm. the US. Phil. So it's interesting. Um, you know, with this risk off mood we've seen in markets overnight, um, commodity prices have certainly been part of that, and oil. You know, which 48 hours ago, you know, in the in the wake of OPEC unable to come to an agreement, you know, over production uh, redistributions and so forth, you know, is at 78 dollars. And um, since the EIA report came out overnight, you know, dollar is put on about a dollar a barrel, so it's now up 
you know, yeah. 90 cents a barrel. That's Brent. So, you know, that's just added a little bit of uh, a little bit of support in that market on the day. Yeah. But now, how much Philip Lowe can we take? We had him on Tuesday. We had a double dose yesterday. I'm, I am now a double dose of uh, Philip Lowe. I'm now 64 percent immune to Philip Lowe. Uh, but um, he caused. A, it seems like he caused a bit of a political storm. I mean, looking at the AFR this morning with his comments yes. that in the the pre-COVID days, high immigration contributed to weak rate, yes. wages growth, and maybe we need more skilled workers to keep inflation down. But of course, we can't do that without the borders open. Um, yes. So, what was your take on what he was saying yesterday? Well, certainly that's, you know, reading the um, the Australian press in the past 24 hours, that's certainly got a lot, got a lot of attention. So it's become almost political, mm. Phil, you know, as to whether immigration has any enduring effect on real wages over time. And I, I think the jury is out on that still. Mm. But, but in the short term, there's no doubt that with demand having been so strong and the economy in rebounding in Australia, notwithstanding the lockdowns, and of course Sydney's is still going on, that um, you know labour has been in short supply. I mean, it's a sort of like a statistical inevitability, isn't it? You yeah. know, when the demand for labour has been so strong, so. And they're looking at yeah. unemployment rate now in the low fours before they consider it full employment. I mean, it's at Correct. five point one percent now, which is pretty close to what we'd previously considered to be the the Nauru figure, didn't we? Around five percent. Yes. Well, we, we, we're down to the levels that we were before the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, the US is not there yet. I mean, they're they're um they're they're um they're two to three percent off their their sort of starting point, if you want to put it that way, and and feel low thinks that, you know, we might need Australian unemployment in the low fours for a period of time before wages really do start to accelerate. Accelerate. I mean, he's got an open mind on this, but nevertheless, 5%, he thinks, won't do the trick. Mm. And, of course, how that pans out and how wages pan out and labour sh- you know, net short supply will depend upon how quickly borders reopen. So it's hard to see borders reopening before next year at the earliest, mm, Phil, to be quite year. honest with yeah, you, yeah. right, the middle of next year, which is what the government is assuming right now, and that, that may be the case. But it's a big decision to take, isn't it, to, to reopen the borders when you've had the suppression strategy. So it wouldn't yeah. be hard to think the government's going to tread fairly carefully down that road rather than just um, – yeah, open the gates, as it were. Yeah, but you can't be zero COVID forever, can you? Unless you're, no, you unless you're completely you fortress and, that, and that's a big step for the for for Australia as well. Yeah. Now look, the ECB their monetary policy statement yesterday, uh, a two percent inflation target, but symmetrical. So in the short mm. term, it can go above or below. I mean, it was a two. Yes. It was a below two percent inflation target. I mean, does this change? It seems a little bit uh, uh, semantics, doesn't it? Does it change much? It, it, it does. Um, it does seem almost semantic, doesn't it? You're going from uh, below, uh, but close to two percent, to a two percent symmetric target. And you're thinking, is that just a play on words? Is is one the same as the other? Mm. But um, when you think about symmetric, the the big question the market had on its mind was, is the ECB moving to a makeup type strategy like the Fed? In other words, you know, last August when the Fed announced the review, their review, uh, the aim is to achieve inflation moderately above 2% for some time. Now, uh, Christine Lagarde was asked about 
you know, what was this, what, what was the symmetry in this inflation target? Because we know that inflation in, in Europe has, has, has undershot their target in the past 10 years by uh, an average of 0.9% per year. In other words, the average has been 1.1 when mm-hmm. they've been targeting pretty close to 2%. So, um, and, and okay, some, a lot of that was, you know, the after effects of the, the debt crisis and so forth, but the reality is they have been undershooting. So she was asked a lot of questions, is there going to be a makeup strategy? And uh, she gave a very sort of semi-academic answer, you know, for quite a bit, but she did let on that, um, no, very squarely we're not doing an average inflation targeting like the Fed. So I think that was pretty clear, and you can imagine that the hawks on the ECB uh, wouldn't be giving the green light to to actively pursue above 2% for anything more than a temporary period. So I think that was the key takeaway. So Mm. therein lies some of the support for the euro today in in a sea of – risk off and uh, and support for the US dollar. The euro has done pretty well over the course of the day. Stuck out like the proverbials, didn't it? Uh, it today. did, it did. Uh, and housing and climate change uh, works in progress in that. Do I mean, basically, they'll consider climate disclosures from, from companies when they're buying corporate bonds, but they're not going to do that until 2024. So that's that's some way, uh, some way away, isn't it? So uh, we Indeed, can- as is the adding housing into the CPI. And uh, mm. I don't think that's really going to add a lot to getting to an inflation target if you just change the goalposts somewhat to so, somewhat uh, somewhat higher target in essence. Yeah. Anyway. Hey, look, I do notice I'm resisting talking about You mentioned the word goalposts, but we haven't got time to talk about uh, what a fabulous game it was yesterday and how England's going to beat Italy on Sunday. Uh, we'll just take that as red. But um, the <laughs> China's inflation rate for <laughs> yes. June today, I might be optimistic on that, uh, the US consumer credit numbers, Canada's unemployment rate. No, you uh, you, you don't think so? Uh, let me just finish this bit off. Uh, Canada's unemployment right. rate, it was, eight, uh, what was it, uh, 8% in May, so pretty high, and UK's GDP for May as well. So there's a few numbers out there. Indeed, indeed. I think, you know, the UK May monthly data, including the GDP, uh, which might be actually be a bit softer than expected um, mm. because of, um, we know that retail sales was a little bit softer in the month, but definitely it's a reopening story. Q2 is going to be a strong quarter for uh, for the UK and into the second half of the year. Well, they're going to be buying lots of football merchandise, aren't they? <laughs> Good to talk anyway. Enjoy the game on Sunday. Uh, we'll catch you again next week. Thanks for your time, Dave. Speak, speak soon, Phil. Cheers. We know it's going to go into extra time. We can be certain of that, can't we? Uh, see you next week. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. Have a great weekend. 